You're listening to Simple Roots Radio, episode 70. And today, we're talking all about fear, worry, and anxiety. Yes, we're going there. Welcome to Simple Roots Radio with Alexa Sherm. Alexa believes that simplicity in life is the key to achieving true and lasting health. And now your host, Alexa Sherm. Welcome back to Simple Roots Radio, the place to get healthy, live happy, and find joy. Yes, that is my greatest mission in life, is to break down all of these diet rules and regulations and really uncover what it means to get healthy, to live happy, and to live in freedom and a life that you actually love. Today, there's no better way to do that than to have one of my favorite people on, my friend and mentor, Allie Worthington. Allie just released a book called Fierce Faith, and it is legit amazing. It opened my eyes to the fear and worry and anxiety that I face. And not only that, but helps you in practical ways to overcome that, like to help you deal with that fear so it doesn't cling to your life every single day, like it loses its power. And I'm so excited to have her on to break this down more, to hear her own story with fear and how she learned these practices and how you can incorporate them into your life. It is going to be so fun. Not to mention, this is Ellie's second time on the podcast. The first time she was on episode number 14. If you haven't listened to that, you must go back because she is also the queen of Breaking Busy, which is her first book that she wrote a few years ago. I believe it came out. Um, But Breaking Busy is all about breaking down the hurdles and that badge of honor that we wear. That busyness is a measure of success. But what we know is busyness is just a band-aid, Right that covers up other things like what we're gonna learn about today, fear and worry. And I know that my story with anxiety and worry runs deep and Allie has personally helped me in my own journey and I can't wait to share that more. So rather than me just talking, why don't we get right to the show? Here's Allie Worthington. Welcome to the show, Allie. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you. I am so thrilled to be here. This is going to be great. Yeah. And just a little backstory about Allie and I. She was on an episode, one of the first few episodes that I had on, and I'll link the actual episode in the show notes. But you were on talking all about breaking busy. And I'm excited to start pulling all this together because today we're going to talk about your latest book, Fierce Faith, which is amazing. It hasn't come out yet, but it's soon to come out. And also about our journey together because what most people don't know is that after we recorded, the episode on breaking busy, I reached out to you because I just felt like the whole time we were recording is I have to know her more. I have to get more wisdom because you were unlike anyone else I had really encountered. And the fact that not only were you wise, but you were personal and raw and real. And you really had this spiritual faith aspect that I felt like I really, really needed. Um, and so we've been, when we've been able to get to know each other for the last year and a half, maybe, and really dive into all of this stuff that you wrote in both of your books and obviously more and how to relate that back to my business. But I feel like all the information that I've learned from you really can meet anyone in any walk of life that they have. Um, so a funny journey like that. We didn't know each other the first time we recorded. And now, I don't know. I feel like I, I know you so well. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's the thing about business coaching that often surprises people. Um, you think you, you get into a business coaching relationship and it's the person saying, okay, do X, Y, and Z, follow these steps and everything will be great. When really it's a lot more than that. It is when you're, when you're coaching somebody, especially when you're talking to them every week or every other week, you're really investing in their life. 
And for a business owner, you not only need to invest in you know their funnels and their products and the planning, but it's your whole life. Mm-hmm. As, a, as a business owner, the health of, of you spiritually, the health of your family, how happy you are, how sustainable um, it is, and how you keep your energy up, it's all just as important as how well you market. Right. And it has been so true in our own relationship because before you came into the picture, I was... I was walking this journey almost alone. Like I had some previous um, help, but they were definitely not personal. And it was getting to the point, even I feel like in my own marriage, and I feel like where your latest book comes into play, Fierce Faith, is I was living in intense amounts of fear. And I didn't know what the future held. And I didn't know if I was capable. And I thought that there was something more for me, but I didn't know if I wanted to enter that journey. And I definitely couldn't keep doing what I was doing to our marriage. And what I mean by what I was doing to our marriage is making Peyton, my husband, be that almost Jesus-like figure in my life. That's what I call him. He's mm-hmm. like, you're trying to make me Jesus right now and I'm not Jesus. But having a business coach and even someone else, you know, like whether, even if you don't have a business, I feel like having someone else in your life who can come alongside of you that's not in your physical house, maybe, to help walk you through that journey has been a huge, huge change in my life because you can say things to me that Peyton could never say to me or that I didn't hear the same, you know, like there's Mm -hmm. like that, that, that misstep. So we say that, um, Allie has literally saved our marriage probably. And if not (laughs) saved us countless thousands of dollars on counseling. So (laughs) that is so true. But that is awesome. Yeah. But I mean, like as the last few years, I feel like one of the biggest things that you've really helped me is to not walk in fear anymore, to, to, to take that out. And I, and I want to ask though, first, because I feel like there's so much confusion about fear is fear, worry, and anxiety, all the same thing. Well, and that was one of my first questions. I knew that I wanted to tackle fear And the way I go about writing a book or researching anything is I buy all of, you know, the, the, the the studies and the boring academic books and I pour through everything and figure out like, what are the best tools? What does research say? Um, what, what do the top brains say about this? And, and the top brains will pick each thing apart. Um, but for the purposes of this book, I put all three together because I feel like fear, anxiety, and worry just work together to create this just messy ball of emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, we often culturally will say that we're worried or we'll culturally say that we're stressed out, but we don't feel comfortable even expressing that we feel afraid. So I've, I've had lots of people read the book and, or download maybe the first chapter for free and go, okay, I had no idea that I was so plagued by, I was so burdened carrying the weight of fear until I read it because we tend to try to put a smiley face on it and just say that we're stressed out. We, we get upset, we get depressed, we lash out in anger, we lose our temper when it all boils down to the fact that deep down inside, we feel afraid. Mm. And because the fear feels so uncomfortable, we don't want to admit we feel it. And we definitely seem like it seems at the time, like it's just too, it's too daunting of a task to overcome it. So mm-hmm. my, my vision for this book and my goal for this book is it would be a step-by-step manual, like a, a a literal recipe book. You pull it off the shelf, and if you're if if you're feeling bad, if you have FOMO because social media is just wrecking you, okay, you just go to that chapter. Like one, two, three. What do you do if you if you're afraid of betrayal? If you're afraid something will happen to your children, what's a step-by-step process? Because fear is so 
is so upsetting. We just need somebody to tell us what to do. Right. And that's what I love about your books, not just Fierce Faith, but Breaking Busy is it's practical. It's not just another book talking about it. And it's not just another book bringing up all those feelings, but it actually gives you step-by-steps, which I want to get into a little bit later. But Mm -hmm. I want to say that when we went through Breaking Busy, and I really started to get into that book, I I have to tell you that Allie's books have been probably the most life-changing outside of the Bible books for me personally, because I mask fear with busyness. And I don't think that I'm alone in that. It's I think I feel fear, but when I get fearful, then I get busy. And both of those things, though, just kind of lead to destruction. And when you totally. met me, you can probably vouch for this. I was a busy person. Like I, I was busy in a lot of ways, but I didn't have a lot coming out the other side. Or maybe it wasn't, you know, like w- what I'm learning is like maybe not the path that Jesus and, had intended for me. But that's what I was doing. And I don't think I realized how much fear I had until I was able to break busy. So how do you, like, what's your own journey with that? Because you wrote Breaking Busy first. And how did you know, okay, the next book's going to be about fear? Um, Well, as a mother with five kids, my husband and I have five sons. So the youngest is nine and the oldest is 19. Um, And an entrepreneur and this and this and this, my, my whole life is busyness. So for me, the journey with writing Breaking Busy was I, I needed to figure out how to break out of it. I needed to figure out how to kind of save our family from, again, the cultural expectation that we have to be all, we have to do all, we have to please everyone. So that was that journey there. And then after the busyness broke for me, that's when I realized, okay, the, the next big thing is fear. I feel like there's a bit of a narrative arc for so many of our lives that we have to first break out of these cycles of busyness that keep us so focused and so overwhelmed by things that we can't even, we can't reach levels of happiness and peace and purpose because we're stuck there. But after we break out of that, then we need to, to kind of fight the next big battle in our lives. And that is almost always fear, worry, and anxiety. And so I never realized when I was tackling busyness in the first book that busyness was such a mask for fear. I feel like there's there's five main things, five main five main ways that people try to uh, try to kind of numb their fear or numb their uncomfortable feelings. And the first one is busyness, and I think it's the most common one. Mm-hmm. But then there's also blame. Um, I call it the five bad bees. So there's busyness, there's blame, and blaming happens when we feel anxious or worried and we try to shift the focus on other people. Like if you've ever, if you've ever had kids and one of them drops a cup of milk and then blames their sibling, like it's obviously not the sibling's fault. The sibling didn't make him do it, but like that means that the one person can't handle how uncomfortable they feel right now. So they blame. So there's busy, there's blame, there's binge. And I think for me, binge is probably how I will deal with things. And you can binge on healthy things and unhealthy food, um, you know, food, internet, Pinterest, you know, Facebook till 2 Mm -hmm. a.m., Netflix binges. Those are, those are always people try to numb their fear. Right. And then there's burying the fourth one. Um, that can be through, denial or avoidance. And again, busyness is another tool to avoid things. But then the most important one, and the one that I hope that everyone remembers out of these five bad bees is brooding. And brooding is another word for rumination. And it's kind of gross, but rumination comes from 
what cows do where they'll eat grass and and then they'll throw it up and then they'll eat it again (laughs) and it's over and over again. Well, this is kind of what we do with unhealthy thoughts. So it could be that we're replaying in our minds something that's happened a long time ago, or it could be that we're replaying in our minds something that could happen in the future. But we do it over and over and over. It's like watching a bad movie on repeat. (laughs) But what's really important about brooding and rumination is this is what scientists have found actually can cause depression in our lives. So not only do we use it to try to help us not feel afraid or help us not feel anxious, this one thought pattern will literally cause depression. And that's why it's so important to, to be aware of it so we can break out of these cycles. Mm-hmm. Right. Because it's just silent almost for so many people. It's, it's just like you said, that bad movie that plays over and over and over mm-hmm. in their head. And when you, when you break it down in your book, you talk about FOMO and the fear of failure and betrayal and abandonment and the what if mentality. Are there specific bees that go with each of those? Are they really kind of all, can any bad bee fit into any of those? Yeah, 100%. They can all fit because like for instance, if, if I am on social media and I see that five of my friends are out at lunch together and I wasn't invited, take for example, um, I, I know grown up Allie is happy for my friends. <laughs> grown up Allie is like, I love them. They're having lunch. I'm home with my family. It's cool. I wasn't invited. That's fine. But forever 13 year old Allie will feel kind of rejected and sad. Right. right? Uh-huh. And it's interesting. Another cool piece of research that I found is that when we feel rejected or we have emotional pain, the same sensors in our brain light up that do when we get physical pain. So you can literally be on Facebook, see your friends out together, feel rejected, and your body takes that the same way it would a literal mm-hmm. punch in the gut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's really important that that we have we understand it and we give ourselves some grace uh-huh. because we're not going to stop using social media. We're not going to we're not going to just turn off and all of a sudden reach some greater state of enlightenment. Right? It's right. just not going to happen. So. Some people would react to that situation by becoming really busy, doing something else. Some people will binge. Some people would brood. Um, it really just depends on the situation and the day and time. Right, right. So you're saying that, though, when we get into these situations, like even thinking about social media, because for some people, it's just, it's so, and, and I've been there, you know, like there are, there are weeks when I can't even handle social media. What's right. the... What's the line between, and I feel like in so many areas, like you could talk about this in so many different ways in so many areas, but where's that line of, I just need to be done with it because it's not healthy. And is that kind of bearing <laughs> what could be fixing? No, I mean, it's a good question. Bearing would be not admitting that you feel that way. Oh, so still being on, but like not. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. So for what I do, the way I manage it is... And again, it's so nerdy. I keep talking about research, but it's so fascinating. Research shows that when we passively scroll through social media, that's when it gets upsetting. That's when when you start on Instagram or start on Facebook or whatever else it is. By the time you're done, you will literally feel worse, like science mm, proof, right. if you passively scroll. But if you actively engage, if you like, if you comment, and you use social media to make a connection with other people and not just to look at people's beautiful pictures and highlight reels, that will protect you. But even sometimes for me, if I'm not in a healthy enough emotional state, like if I am cleaning throw up out of my carpet, 
I don't need to be on Instagram. Right. <laughs> like, because like, I'm just, it's not, it's not a healthy space. So for me, I have to do a gut check to know, like, am I okay enough to go look at people's beautiful curated images right now? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just super practical. Mm-hmm. Right. Being in that right mind space. Mm-hmm. But I also love that you brought up the, the science. I'm, I'm kind of a science junkie too. On that emotional response is actually having the same implications as a physical response to the body, which is so, tr- so true. And why I bring these shows on Simple Roots Radio, you know, a health podcast is because I feel like this is such a huge aspect in so many people's health. It's just their mindset. So going from breaking busy to fierce faith. So was there a time when fear was overtaking your life? And, and what was that? And what did that look like? Oh, it's such a good question. When I first started thinking about the the topic of fear as a book, I didn't actually think that I really struggled with fear. I was a little too big for my britches and thought, well, this is the this is the next big thing that people need mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to help them, right? I had no idea the journey that I had to go through to be able to produce this book. And what happened for me is right when Breaking Busy came out, my life started completely falling apart. So my husband developed adult onset asthma, a very severe form. So every virus one of the kids brought home um, would eventually turn into pneumonia for him. So it would be two weeks of of us just worried that he wasn't going to get enough oxygen. So I'm, you know, I'm canceling interviews and, and travel and, and, and just trying to fight to keep everything okay. And the fear was completely overwhelming me every day. And I got a call from my friend, Christine Kane at the end of book launch week to say, Hey, I, I need to talk to you. And I said, well, okay, okay, let's talk. And now, mind you, I had one of the worst weeks of my life. Right. And that is book launch week for Breaking Busy. And she said, with this book, you are taking ground away from the enemy. And the enemy is going to take notice. And you need to know that he is going to attack Mark. That's my husband. And you, he is going to attack your children. And you have got to learn to fight. You can't quit hiding. You've got to quit hiding out and being afraid. And you have to be courageous and fight. Mm. And I hung up and went, I don't even, I don't even know what that means. Like my husband is sick. Yes, I'm afraid. Like what is it, what does it mean to fight back? It it, it almost was a a completely foreign concept for me. Mm. And so as I started studying fear and started praying and looking at research and going, well, how do we fight back? Because the storms of life are going to come at us. If we are not in a storm right now, we're coming out of one or we're about to go in one. It is just the human experience. And so that inspired me to look at each individual fear and say, what, what does it look to fight? What does it look like to fight back? And how do we build a battle plan? And the first step in that was kind of uh, identifying these bad bees of how we numb our pain. Because unless we will admit to how we're feeling and admit to what's going on, we can't ever move past it and, and overcome it. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I want to talk about more of that and fighting fear because that's a huge issue. But before we get into fighting fear, or maybe we should just go there because everyone wants to know how to fight it. But (laughs) is fear at the end of the day, a love issue? That's a great question. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, 
And, and as quote unquote, like the person that wrote the book on fear, I right. should really have a, well, a cut and dry answer. Well, the only thing, okay. So is, do you think that fear is like the deepest root issue for so many people? Because we talk about busyness being the surface level. And I feel like mm-hmm. all these other things, the bad bees could really be surface level things that we're using to deal with a deeper issue. I mean, because the opposite of fear is obviously not fearing, mm-hmm. like being bold right. and faithful and, and all of that. Is fear like that tipping point, like that deepest rut that comes out in so many different ways that if we could get a hold of that, we could change. I don't want to say everything, but so much of our life, you know, from our. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I see what you're saying. You absolutely can. But here's the thing. There's this idea that if we overcome fear, then we reach this magic level. But the truth is we have to keep overcoming fear in lots of different ways. So it's not like fear is this one thing that we're just going to break the cycle of fear and all of a sudden be brave and courageous. It's something that we really have to keep doing all the time. Right. Because say you have little kids, you're going to be afraid something's going to happen to them. So you're going to have to battle fear in that way, right? Mm -hmm. Then in your business, as you're taking your business to the next level, it's attacking fear in a whole new way. Mm -hmm. But as you attack it in different areas of your life, it gets easier. And you remember, okay, these are the steps. These are, these things are what I need to do in this situation. And that the good news is there is a way out, but it's not a magic wand where all of a sudden we feel brave and courageous in every situation. It evolves attacking it in different situations and in different seasons of our life. Right. I just secretly want that magic bullet. Like all of us. <laughs> I do. That's like, fear is gone. It's vanished. I guess that's called heaven and eternal life. But <laughs> Exactly. For I mean, life here. You know, I'm sure there's books out there like five minutes to overcome fear. And you're like, well, it's all rubbish. Right. Because it's a, it's a battle and it's a mm-hmm. journey and it's it's an important journey. I feel like it's a holy journey. It's something that that we mm-hmm. all need mm-hmm. to do and that we have the great honor of 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 mm-hmm. being on this journey together. But it's definitely not easy. But man, it is so so worth it. Right. And that's where the spirituality of fear and and even health comes in because I feel like our mindset is such a huge part of our health and where spirituality for me comes in is that we have this immense fear, but without faith and hope in something greater, for me, fear is nearly impossible to overcome. Because to me, like when I, when I'm asking, like, is fear a love issue? I think personally, and and you've seen me on this journey is, I think one of the most difficult things for me to overcome fear was really believing that Jesus loved me. Like he Mm -hmm. really loved me. So maybe a trust issue, um, which you kind of talk about betrayal and abandonment. Maybe I have some of those issues in my life. Um, I know I'm a super loyal person. And so betrayal and abandonment is really, really difficult for me to take in. Um, Which also means it's probably more difficult for me to trust, which allows me to live in more fear, if that makes sense. Totally. And I think so much of how we we view God, it comes from our past and our early experience with our family. So for me, my father died um, in a car accident when I was almost three. So I always heard that he loved me. And, you know, from from my earliest memories from my mom talking about him, he loved me, he didn't want to go, you know, it was a terrible accident. But I still felt abandonment. But at the same time, I felt loved. Mm -hmm. And when I got older, I 
I somehow subconsciously transferred that image of my father onto God. So I felt like God loved me, but he wasn't really there for Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. God loves me and I'm, you know, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm, I'm, you know, created lovingly. But when push came to shove, I couldn't depend on him. Mm. Right. Right. Cause there was, cause your dad wasn't there and yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense because it's like the same thing with me is I feel like in my my own process of overcoming fear, my business and my home life, which kind of all seems to be intermixed at this point, Mm -hmm. is that trust in something greater and that hope in something more. And really at the end of the day that Jesus loves me. Like I feel like I'm constantly reminding myself that the deepest root doesn't have to be fear of the unknown or the what if and to play that game all the time. Because at the end of the day, that really gets you nowhere. (laughs) Even though there's a level though, and there's a level of comfort to fear that is less frightening to me than the, the love that I should step into and accept. Oh, a hundred percent. And our minds are, are, built in a way where it's easier for us to believe the worst case scenarios and the what ifs than the best case scenario. So if we have two scenarios that we can imagine and plan for in the future, our brains are always going to default to the mm-hmm. negative. Mm-hmm. It's it's so true. Like it's, I feel like it's human nature, obviously, that we just default to the worst case scenario. And it's more difficult. Maybe it's trained. Is it trained? Like, do we learn that? Or is that born in us? No, I, the fall. I, I, I don't have a neuroscience degree, maybe one day, <laughs> but I, I'm, um, from everything that I've read, I think it's just built into humans. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, it's the way, it's the way our brains work. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's why I developed this, this thing that I do. Um, I call it the, so what game mm-hmm. and I will play out the worst case scenarios. And then for each, for each thing I, I will ask, so what, and the story comes from when I was a teenager, my mom sent me to a counselor, a wonderful counselor named Pamela, and I was an obnoxious 14-year-old who had a lot of anxiety. And I would plop down in her seat and I would say, oh, Pamela, this, you know, this is what's going on and, you know, tail my tale of woe. And then I would start saying uh, my fear about something bad that would happen in the future. And she would say, so what? Mm-hmm. And I would say, so what? What, what do you mean, so what? And she'd go, well, are you going to die? And you can just imagine me rolling my eyes. Right. I'm not going to die. Then she say, is the world going to end? No. Are you going to survive? Yes. Okay. So if this bad thing happens, you're not going to die. The world's not going to end. You're going to be okay. Let's plan a way to cope with it. And so I still do that today. If I'm worried about something happening, I go, okay, so what? What's the worst thing that can happen? And then I play it out to the very end and I realize I will survive. Everything will be okay. And even if something bad happens, I have a plan for how I'm going to cope. And then I feel once again, like I'm in control because we get in these downward anxiety spirals because we imagine a worst case scenario and our brains just go into overdrive. We feel like we're out of control. Um, We feel helpless. We feel like there's nothing we can do. But when we will play out worst case scenario, kind of get our thoughts back in a really rational framework. And then go, even if something bad happens, here's my plan to cope. Then we can start feeling in control again. Mm, right. We, we like that. You've done that a little bit with me in business coaching. And the first time we did it, I was like, oh, it's such a relief <laughs> because I didn't want to go to worst case scenario, but 
I'm always there. You know, like if you don't openly say it to someone, you're kind of always there or wondering what worst case scenario is. And so we went there with the project that I was working on. We went to worst case scenario and you helped me work backwards. And I'm like, oh, that's really freeing because now I can go into it with a new perspective of like, even if, you know, like even if this doesn't go, like it's still going to be okay. Like at the end okay. of the day, things are still going to be fine. I think it's a great, it's a great tool. And I want to talk about some more tools to overcoming fear that you have in your book. You have the four good A's. Can we break down the four good A's? <laughs> well, it's so it's so cheesy. So forgive me in advance. So there's the five bad B's of how we try to deal with fear. And you combat the five bad B's with the four good A's. I'm a big believer in alliteration because if everything starts with the same letter, you can actually remember it. <laughs> um, so the first A is to be aware. It's just to simply to be aware of your feelings. And for me, when Mark was so sick, I secretly felt guilty and selfish at my own level of frustration and fear and sadness. And I would say, you know, I'm not the one who's sick after all. So it would just, it would just make me feel even worse because I was playing this dangerous game of judging whose pain and suffering mattered more. Mm. But by being aware of my feelings, um, it allowed me to, it allowed me to learn how to become self-compassionate instead of being self-critical. Because not only were we dealing were we dealing with a crisis in our own family because of health, um, I was constantly criticizing and beating myself up for my own feelings of sadness and fear about it. So giving ourselves permission to feel and acknowledging our true feelings is the first step of battling fear. So that's aware. The second one is to avoid the five bad bees. So that means don't <laughs> don't numb your feelings. I mean it's it's so simple because my a lot of times my go-to coping behavior every time Mark was sick was some kind of combination of the bad bees. Like I would, I would stay busy with the kids and then I would stay up light, late at night binging on um, Netflix and cake. Oh, I love cake. <laughs> um, but when I was aware of the fear and aware of my own tendencies to cope with the five bad bees, I could start avoiding them. Like I know my default is I'm going to run around and take care of everybody to the exclusion of myself. And I'm going to stay up late watching a movie because I want to turn off. So when I know that that's my default, I, I have power over it. And then the third good A is ask Jesus for help. I mean, that's simple. We pray. We say, I need strength. I need courage to get through this. That, and that is our most powerful tool. For me, it was prayer and worship. Um, I, had, I had this moment where... I was in a pharmacy parking lot picking up a whole new slew of medicines for Mark with a case of pneumonia. And normally I just, you know, pick up the medicine, drive home and immediately start taking care of the family. And, and that day I, I got back in my car and I, I started crying because I just, I didn't want to do this anymore. I didn't want to, yeah. I didn't want the next two weeks of our lives to look like what I knew it was going to look like recovering from this. And instead of just wiping my tears away and having a stiff upper lip and just, you know, pushing down all my feelings inside, I turned on worship music in my car and I, and I sang and I sang, I get emotional when I talk about it. I sang that, that God was a good father, that he, he was a miracle maker, that I was no longer going to be a slave to fear and that I could trust him. And that I was not alone. Mm -hmm. And I sang that day and I sang and I sang and I sang until the fear finally subsided. And that was my wake up call that, oh, I have a weapon. Mm -hmm. like, I can be a warrior against fear. And that weapon that I have is prayer and worship. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes we're so upset, we're so afraid, we don't know what to pray. 
But when we open our mouths and we we sing out to him, and now mind you, I have a terrible singing voice, so thank goodness God enjoys it because he's the only one. Um, you know, that that changes things. It changes our heart. It changes our atmosphere, and it it, it begins it begins to change everything going on inside of us. Mm-hmm. That was a massive wake up call for me, and so that leads into the fourth A, which is attack. We practice the battle plan to take care of our anxieties on the physical plane. So we we bring in the spiritual plane through prayer and worship, but then we follow the step-by-step, and it's different for every fear um, of what you can do every day to help yourself get over it. You know, for some fears, it's the so what game, and for some fears, it's others. And, you know, what's really funny is a, a few people that have actually read the book have said, I've noticed that the fears, the battle plan for this fear actually works for me for that fear. And I'm like, hey, it's it's not a total recipe book. Whatever works, where you run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, and, and with the four good A's, it was it was recognizing you got to be aware, you got to avoid the five bad B's, you got to ask for help, and then you got to attack. You've got to fight back because as long as we are living lives just, you know, being um, being beaten up by the storms in our lives, whether it's a financial storm, a health storm, um, struggle building our business. We have to have tools to be able to get back in control and to overcome. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I feel like that, that over the course of the last few years, even since breaking busy and realizing that I was living in bondage to fear, I was living a slave to fear, really, you know, the, the whole time. But I think one thing that I've come to this year is trying to put together, and I want to know your thoughts on this getting rid of fear of life, but fearing God. Yes. Like, yes, we put a good word or bad word and now we, we need to make it good. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like there's, totally. there's confusion there. Like, how do we fear God? And nothing well, else. No, it's, it's a great question and a great topic. We, uh, we all have a tendency to put value on what we can see in front of us. So as we're watching our children grow up, we have all these fears of all the bad things that can happen. We have fear um, socially of how we're treated. We have fear of the future that that things are going to fall apart. We all do. It just happens. But we forget the healthy fear of the Lord who created us and loves us and has a perfect plan and purpose for us. And a lot of times um, we we will completely arrange our lives to try to try to conquer the little fears around us and try to control them, I should say. But we forget to hook into the ultimate power source that is God mm-hmm. who who has who you know created us fearfully and wonderfully in the womb and has a plan for us and a purpose for us. And if we could connect into him with healthy fear and reverence that we will be put exactly on our right plan, exactly on our right path in a way that we don't have to fear the earthly things. Mm-hmm. The healthy reverential fear protects us from so much of the fear that we have on this plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Now, just in life, isn't there so much like, con- like we have so many words that are, that, that are overriding, even in the world of health, like eat this, not that, like, Fear this, not that. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like pulling it all together into this, just like, like well life, you know, like this well lived 
soul satisfying life. And I feel like it's probably always a journey. Is that, is that what you would say? Like it's always a continuous journey that will always be on. Constantly. It never changes. And whether it is a fear um, of something bad happening in the future or a fear that you're never going to live up to what you were meant to be or a fear that, you know, you can't take your business to to the next level. It always comes in new ways Mm -hmm. all the time. I mean, I, I, um, before Breaking Busy came out, I was positive that I was going to end up selling it out of the trunk of my car for 25 cents each, (laughs) like that I was going to be like standing on the street corner yelling at people to buy it. And the week the book launched, Mark was so sick. I didn't care a thing about anybody buying it. I was just trying to keep him breathing and out of the hospital. And then once Breaking Busy had some success, you would think as I prepared to to tackle the next topic that I would feel confident. Well, no, I felt just as afraid that um, that the fear book wouldn't work. Um, and for me, it was because like, who really wants to sit around and talk about fear? Like I became this person at parties that was super fun. Like, hey, I'm Allie. Let's talk about your deepest, darkest fears. Like that, <laughs> that sounded about as fun as a root canal. Um, so sometimes even if life is going swimmingly and we reach certain levels of success before we're going to be able to, to go to the next level in our health or our business or our lives, we're going to have to face fear in a whole new way. Mm-hmm. And it's just this big cycle of, of getting stronger and fighting back and overcoming and then doing it all over again. Mm-hmm. Right. I live in Nashville And so I know a lot of people with, you know, a relative amount of, of fame or success, you know, worldly terms, Mm -hmm. um, singers and stuff. And when I've floated this concept to them of, Hey, the more success you have, sometimes do you get even more afraid? And I hear across the board, yes, a hundred percent, because there's so much more to lose. Mm -hmm. So it's almost as if we have this, this idea that once we reach a certain level of success, things are going to be easy. And we're not going to ever feel afraid anymore. That just sets us up to be disappointed. It is going to be a fight from the time you are, you know, 20 to the time you're 90. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I, love, I love the concept of, of a whole generation of women getting strong, um, getting control, and saying, you know what, I, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I've got this, and I'm going to run with it. Right, right. And that's what I love. And I, I feel like Martin Luther King, like, I have a dream. But, like, for real, <laughs> like, that... We could stand up and even in health, you know, like I feel like there's so much passivity and like uh, confusion or we want it to be an all or nothing or it just in life. I feel like that it's that way when really we're entering a battle and are we going to stand up to fight? So what is that first step of someone who's listening and thinking, gosh, like I'm, I'm living trapped and this world. And I don't know what that first step is. Like, what is that first step to getting on board and not just getting on board? Because a lot of people can jump on board and think I'm going to do this, but they're not for it. You know what I'm saying? Like they they think they need to do this, but they don't really want to do this. Like what's that step of getting someone on board and getting them excited for the battle? Totally. Um, it is that first, the first good a, which is awareness. Mm-hmm. You not only have to have awareness of, of what's going on in your life and how you're feeling, Mm-hmm. But, but you have to take the power back and get awareness to understand the implications and that there is a way out. Mm-hmm. So we have to understand it in ourselves and then arm ourselves with information and tools to be able to overcome. Awareness is key because when we're in the middle of a storm or we're in the middle of being stressed and afraid, the last thing that's easy to process is 
oh, there actually is a way out. There's, there's a better way and there's help out there. Because when we're at a low point, it just seems so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just had uh, another um, girl on the show, Trisha Hughes, and she was talking about her own journey with counseling. Mm-hmm. And I think whether you have a counselor or a business coach or, or just someone, I think that there's power and having, and for me, maybe this isn't for everyone, but for me, verbalizing what's going on in your head, mm-hmm. um, I think it can be, I mean, I can become aware of it. But like for me, really making that awareness known has changed things for me. And I don't know how many times I've gotten on the phone with you and started the conversation of like, I know this is going to sound crazy, but this is, you know, there's so many times when I just, just kind of vent it out and then I feel better about it. Because once I say it to someone, like it's easier, like you, okay, let's go to worst case scenario and work backwards or, you know, just to be able to have another perspective of, okay, that thought doesn't have any value. Like there's, there's no grounding like point, like it's not going to be in the world. It's not going to take your life, like whatever it is. Um, <laughs> and just to like help you work backwards out of that, gosh, it's been such a relief. And I feel like there's such a bad stigma, you know, like we all have fear, we all do, but mm-hmm. there's such a bad stigma to getting help or I don't even want to say to getting help, but to seeking, to, to seeking a better life, <laughs> you know, like it, it's like shameful. Well, I think maybe 10 years ago, yes. Maybe even five years ago to some degree. Um, But now, I I think thanks to the amount of information available on the internet and things like podcasts where people speak freely and we we can dive in deep into conversations and it's not just quick sound bites, Mm -hmm. it's really helped change it. And the truth is the top performers in any field, whether it is an Olympic athlete, um, a business person, um, just someone that wants to be a great mom to their family. Everybody has help. Mm-hmm. Everyone. Um, and sometimes if we're not just naturally surrounded by, you know, mentors or coaches, we just have to seek them out. Mm-hmm. But even me, my, my job is to teach and to mentor and coach people, but you better believe I go to other people to go, where are my blind spots? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. Is this idea good? Because Literally, nobody can do it for themselves. And once we realize we, we are made to be in community, we are made to have, to have people come alongside us and go on the journey with us. And, you know, a plan with many counselors is going to succeed. But the idea that anybody is out there being an island, doing it on their own is just, it, it's crazy. Right. No, nobody can do it for themselves. We have to have people on our team, on the journey with us, who are willing to, to speak truth into our lives, to call us out on bad ideas, and to, to keep us going where we're meant to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone has help. Even those perfectly curated images where they have five kids and their house is perfectly clean, they still have help. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's, that's a whole nother level of help. Right. <laughs> right. Okay, so it's the start of a new year. And everyone probably has some kind of resolution or goal or, you know, everyone's ready for something different, right? They're ready to take on 2018. What is some advice you can give us with starting out this year, knowing it's something fresh? Like, what do you hope for 2018? That's a great question. I was just reading this article that talked about um, a dip in happiness that women go through in their lives. And it starts at about 35 and ends at 50. Which that's I'm a like, long well, time. Right? I'm like, that, why, why does that have to be the happiness dip? Right. But, 
One of the reasons for the happiness dip is we, we are busy. We have a lot of responsibilities, not just with our families and our work, but our, our parents. Um, but also all of the dreams that we had for ourselves in our 20s, you know, getting married, having a family, um, you know, uh, having a house, having a business, whatever it is. A lot of times by your upper 30s and your 40s, you've reached those dreams. And so what happens is we forget to appreciate them. Like we, we've mm-hmm. reached it, we're living it, and now we're like, okay, well, what's next? So for me, in 2018, I want to be able just to, to remember all the great things that God has done for me. I want to um, revel in, in the achievements that, that I've had throughout my life and realize what I have right now, even in the middle of storms and battles and illness and my husband's illness and you know raising five kids, every day is just a, a, a landmine of what what kind of what's going to fall apart right now. But you know it's just the way it is when you have so many kids. In the middle of all that, I want to remember these are the days that I always dreamed of before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We may have battles, we may have storms, we may have bad things that happen in 2018. But all the things that I wanted when I was a little girl, they're they're here. Mm -hmm. They're not perfect, but life isn't perfect. And so I think for me, it's going to be such an increase in my daily happiness, but also it's going to help me fight the anxiety and the worry of the future to be able to focus in on on all the things that I have now. Because I don't want us to be another generation of women who go, okay, between 35 and 50, I just really wasn't happy. There was too much stress. There was too many worries. There's too many responsibilities. I want, I want us all to be empowered with, with tools on a day-to-day basis to be happier, to be more courageous, to be more secure, to be more confident in our lives. That's, that's my goal for myself mm-hmm. and for all the women I get to help. Mm. Yeah, so good. So good. Just a different. And that, when we were on the call before this, um, doing our little business coaching, I talked about doing, and this is in your book, Fierce Faith. This is where this idea came from. But in all the years past, people talk about doing vision boards. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with vision boards, you know, where you want, dream up your life to go. I'm a dreamer by nature. So that just seems easy and, and fun. But like you said, there's, there's that level of fear then, like this anxiousness inside, inside of me of what if I don't get there? Like what, right. what if it doesn't happen? And so last year, I bought this board to make a vision board and it's at blank all year. And it's still in my closet in the same place. I swear I look at it every single day and I think there's something more for that board. And I obviously I've never gotten rid of it. It's so ridiculous, you know, whatever. It's a ridiculous thought. But inside your Fierce Faith book, you talk about like, it's same thing that you just said, like being grateful almost for for everything that you've achieved. And so my plan for this year is to to make a list of ways that God has revealed himself to me, to make a list of all the blessings in my life, almost like instead of a vision board, like a grateful board of, like, look at where you're at. Like, look where Jesus has you and all the reminders that he's given you. Um, and to keep count of that, because I feel like that for me is helping me to press on, you know, helping me not to give up and not to quit and uh, not to fall back into a life of what ifs and wondering um, and anxiousness. It, can you talk any more about what you kind of wrote in the book and your mission with that? Yeah, there's something um, really powerful about the concept of stacking up stones of remembrance. So in the Old Testament, um, God commands his people to stack up stones of remembrance, stones that will help them always remember how he was there with them, he stayed with them, he rescued them, and how faithful he is. Mm -hmm. And 
for, for, I believe that this is the most helpful concept we can have to remember on a day to day basis that we're not alone, that he is good to us, that he loves us, that we know that he will take care of us in the future because he's always taken care of us in the past. He's not going to fail us in the future because he's never failed us before. Mm -hmm. So however it is that you stack up the stones of remembrance with you, it is, it's documenting, you know, on a board. Mm -hmm. Um, I have friends with beautiful gardens who literally stack up stones in their gardens. Whatever it, it looks like, it is celebrating the, the faithfulness of God in the past and helping to remind ourselves on a day-to-day basis that he's going to be help mm-hmm. faithful in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love the concept so much. Such a breath of fresh air, like to really go back and remember. Um, anyways. I'm going to make a download specifically about the stones of remembrance that they can get in the show notes at the end of the show. So I'll talk more about that later, but just a few quick fire questions mm-hmm. before I let you go. Although we could sit here and talk forever because we really could <laughs> generally, I don't get enough alleys. So <laughs> what is the first thing you do every morning to fight fear? Oh, that's a great question. If I'm feeling really afraid, I turn on music. Yeah. You're, you're the worshiper. I'm so, I'm so the worshiper. If I don't know what to pray, what to say, and I'm upset, I will turn on a worship playlist and just have it playing in my house after Mm -hmm. my kids leave for school. And eventually a song will hit me and just kind of gut me Mm -hmm. and it brings everything into alignment. And then I can go attack the day. And Mm -hmm. that may be, you know, something that's going on in my personal life. It may be a, a health struggle. It may be something with work, but there's something about the power of music that that turns everything around. I was in church a couple of weeks ago and and my pastor said it. So I'm going to assume it's true, but I didn't realize this when I was writing the book that the command to sing is the second most used command in the Bible. Oh wow. Yeah, I didn't Yeah, know. because there's so much power in in singing and worshiping in that way. I mm-hmm. had no idea. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's so joyful though. You know, generally when you're singing, it's more joyful maybe than my prayers, but maybe my prayers are downer. So <laughs> something to work on. Okay. What is your favorite book other than your own? Your, your books literally are amazing. And I'll shout that from the rooftops, but outside of yours, what's your favorite book you've read this year? Well, last year, since it's the beginning of the year. Uh, a book that I have read and reread many times, and I read it once a year is Screw Tape Letters. Mm-hmm. It's super short. It's an easy read. It's a C.S. Lewis book. And it, I believe it's the most entertaining and the most revealing book about human nature and how and how we cope with life that I've ever read. And every time I read it, I get something new out of it. I love it. And inside your faith, you have the screw tape letters game, and I love yeah. that game. <laughs> and so you yeah. have to read the book to learn more about that. But then you'll have to read both of them because it's really good. Go. Okay, what's one food you can't live without? Well, considering, as you know, because not only have I given you business coaching, you've helped transform my health. I can't eat a lot of the stuff I used to be able to eat. <laughs> Thanks, body. Um, this is a bad question. So, I'm tempting you I mean, today. It's the worst and the best all at the same time. <laughs> so because I'm limited now, um, I don't know what I would do without eggs in my life. Mm. Yeah, for breakfast, on a salad, thanks to your um, batch cooking guide. I, I, I make eggs all the time, and I use it for everything. Good. Yes. See, you're surviving. Like you're, you're finding a new way. <laughs> <laughs> no more, no more cake for me. If right. I binge, it's going to be on eggs. <laughs> <laughs> What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Feel the fear and do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, what, that's, <laughs> that's hard. I'm just going to move on. 
it's here, here's the thing. It, it's hard, but as I've learned through this journey that our fear-filled steps will lead to the faith-filled stories mm-hmm. that we'll get to tell in the future. Mm-hmm. Just because we feel it doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. We should still get wise counsel and make sure it's smart. But if we are waiting to feel peaceful and powerful and confident before we do anything, we'll never do anything at all. That's why it's why relationships don't get formed. It's why companies don't get built. It's why success isn't found because we're all waiting until we feel okay about stuff. But mm-hmm. 90% of the time, it's not going to feel good while we're doing it. Mm-hmm. So good. What's the best piece of advice you can leave us with? Nothing good comes out of treating yourself badly. Mm. I think at, for us as women, we never want to be seen as self-indulgent or proud or, or you know, the worst insult that people can give us, it seems like, is that we're selfish. Mm. But nothing good comes out of, of us not being good to ourselves, of us not taking care of our health, not investing in our happiness, not investing in our dreams. We need to take care of ourselves, to be good to ourselves for the health of our, our, ourselves, our families, um, the dreams and visions that God plants inside of all of us for what he wants us to do in the world. And it all starts with with being kind to ourselves, of being self-compassionate instead of self-critical and, and learning to love yourself despite your, your flaws and your fears and your failures. You know, we are, we are these incredible creatures um, placed on earth to do a lot of great things for, for many people. And, and that all starts with us being good to ourselves. Yes. So true. So true. And such a, such a lesson that a journey of its own, maybe better said that we all need to go on and find. Um, yeah. And what I hope to go on in the new year. So one last thing, Allie, tell us where they can learn more about you and your latest book, Fierce Faith, and even Breaking Busy, because that one really cracked the ice for me. Sure. I am everywhere with Allie Worthington. So AllieWorthington.com and Allie Worthington on social media channels. And I would love it if everyone dove in and found out a little more about me. I appreciate it. Yeah. And Fierce Faith will be available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Mm -hmm. basically anywhere. I'll link it all up in the show notes um, where you can grab a copy of that. And you're going to want to get involved in that and follow along on my email list to learn more about Fierce Faith and how you can overcome this journey yourself as we go through the new year. So thank you so much, Allie, for being here. I so appreciate it. I feel like I can breathe a little deeper now. Honestly, her book has been instrumental in helping me to uncover my own worry and anxiety, to make myself aware of it, and then to take those tools, those practical tools, and break it down and understand fear and worry do not have to control my life. And in fact, they don't even have to be a part of my life. Of course, it's always there. But now I have ways to manage it, to fight against it, and and really to step out into battle like we've talked about in the episode. I hope that you walked away from that podcast so inspired and so encouraged and ready to unleash the fear that might be grabbing hold of your life and holding you in a place that you don't want to be. Like I mentioned in the show, we have a handout for you, The Stones of Remembrance, how to do this, the activity that really has been instrumental in me changing my thoughts from fear and worry, anxiety, over into this mindset of peace and and really ultimately joy. So to get that handout, you're going to want to make sure to go to simplerootswellness.com slash 069, and you can find all the other information on today's show where to find out more about Allie Worthington and her latest book, Fierce Faith. You are going to want to grab a copy and get a few extra for your friends because it is that impactful. 
And I just have a few other announcements before I go. I just wanted to remind you that the Well Nourished Year is still going on. And if you haven't been following along, it's so much fun. In the last episode, well, two episodes back, I uncover how to find your values. Not like these surface level values you think, but really to dig deep and uncover something that excites you, fills you with a lot of passion, and gives you desire. That's what we want. So in that episode, I walk through live with one of my dear friends, Kelly Sweet, on how to do this. Now you can get even more handouts on how to do your own mind map and uncover your values at simplerootswellness.com. I'll add it to this show notes at 069. And what you're going to want to do is join the Well Nourished Year to get all that information. And also right now over on Instagram and Facebook, I'm walking through a hormone reset challenge. And basically it's just one tip a day, simple, practical that you can include into your everyday life to help regulate and balance hormones. This all comes together in helping you live well-nourished. This episode is perfect for that because like I said, the emotional response is having a huge impact on our hormonal response. And on Facebook this week, I'm going to talk all about that. And I even have some special guests coming up on the show that we're going to dig deeper into hormones and how we can really find peace with them because that's what we want to do is learn to work with them instead of against them and really live nourished. So again, you can get all this information in the show notes at simplerootswellness.com slash 069 and stay tuned because in February, all we're talking about is hormones. And just one more thing before I go, I say this all the time. In fact, someone asked me, hey, I hear everyone else on every other show talking about the same thing, and that thing is ratings and reviews. And the reason we all talk about it is because it is literally the lifeblood that keeps the show running. So I don't just say this to toot my own horn or to see how many reviews I get. Literally, this is a thing that's helping people find and see the show that otherwise wouldn't. Like, it's helping to spread the show into areas and people's lives that I have no reach in doing. And so leaving a rating and review is not just helping me, but it's really helping the thousands of other people to hear and find Simple Roots Radio and join this tribe of like-minded people who are just out to get healthy, live happy, find joy in a realistic way that you actually enjoy, to break free of all the health traps that we've believed for far too long and find something that works for you. So like I said, the ratings and reviews are gold to me. All you have to do is go to simplerootswellness.com slash review and leave your honest rating and review. I'm not asking for five stars, although that would be great, right? But I want your honesty. What do you love about the show? What would you like to see differently? Or what would you like me to add? Like just honest ratings and review feedback because I read every single one and I make changes based off that. So again, it takes two minutes out of your day. You only have to do it once and it literally means the world to me. So if you could stop right now, write and review the show, that would make my day. Anyways, that's it for now. Check out the show notes. See you here on Friday. And I have my husband on and he's breaking down his mind map live for us. You never know what you're gonna get on Fridays. Anyways, I'll see you then.